Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And hey, welcome. The Investor Coaching Show, and I am Paul Winkler, and he is Evan Barnard hanging out here with me. Man, it's hot out there. You think? It's hot. It, it's hot. I had to go to three places to find someone that had an ice cream machine to bring a Sunday in today. Yeah, see? Oh, wow. It's so hot. He had to go. No. Oh, wow. There's got to be a better joke than that. I Come know. on. I saw the... Bird using tweezers to pick the worm out of the ground. Well, the uh, <laughs> boy back in the day, the one we used to say is it was so hot that I saw a dog chasing a rabbit, and they were both walking. What? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's that actually is funny. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, so, what do you think, man? Um, I'm yeah, I'm not. <laughs> we, I I'm all talked out. I was on Matt's show yesterday, and. Well, th- this will be exciting. I was planning to like fill in a couple of spots. No, I'm really, I'm really but... no. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not. not oh not, no, I'm not hey, talked. I can. I'm, I'm never talked out. If the ball's laying on the field, I can pick it up and run. <laughs> That's true. Somebody was saying to me, "Say, how old is Evan? He sounds like he's in his 30s." And I, I, I said the same thing. Yeah. Did you? Okay. So and I told him that, that to his face like months ago. He oh, did. Some, some, somebody said that, and. Uh, and it says, well, he seems to be so knowledgeable for his age. I'm laughing, going, nah, he's been on the block a couple times. I'm about, I'm about twice 30. <laughs> Around the block just a couple of times. So, um, it's not- so yeah, it was on, on Matt's show yesterday. We were, we got into, it was, it was just interesting. It's, yeah. it's funny because I, I've taught him a lot of, you know, you teach people things so much, so mm-hmm. often, and it's easy to forget a lot of these concepts around investing because one things that you know I walked in there I was just talking about the markets and talking about you know what had been happening interest rate inflation numbers and and how it was affecting markets and and I said something about um about value stocks yeah. and he's like what are value stocks right <laughs> And I'm like, well, uh, okay, uh, we buy ugly houses and, and you right. know, pretty house. And, you know, and, and the one thing I had said that I probably ought to say more often uh-huh. was the whole idea of when you buy pretty houses and, and that's what people are enamored with, right? Right. So that's typically what people are investing in is the highest cost stuff out there. Yeah. You know, like, well, almost like a bidding war, you know. Maybe not this quarter in houses, but even a year and a half ago, let's say, Mm -hmm. there was a bidding war that would go on as soon as you put your house on the market. You know, you'd have two offers in 48 hours and then the fight would start. Well, none of those people bought the house at a bargain. And Mm -hmm. that's that's what goes on with a lot of these growth companies. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if we've talked about the comparison that much before, as opposed to just buying the fixer upper that needs some work and I can get some profit by adding adding value and you know fixing it right as opposed to just chasing the wave and hoping it keeps going up well what people perceive is that the idea is oh wow if you go and buy value companies and I talked about Warren Buffett and mm-hmm. this is you know that's how he got his his claim to fame is that if we do that 
that's there's more risk and you think well why would i want to invest in, and we kind of switched topics so quickly but i said you know why people think why would i right. want to invest in crummy companies mm-hmm. and i said well they crummy companies have to i didn't use that term but it was that <laughs> something like that that crummy companies have to pay more to use your money but the point that i usually like to make after that is people think well that doesn't seem like i i'm just not trying to make the most money that i can in the stock market that's not my point but one of the things that they're saying when they say that mm-hmm. is I want some safety in the process. I want to reduce risk. Yeah. And the interesting thing is when you add those types of companies to your portfolio, that actually helps with risk. It re- it helps reduce risk. Yeah. And that's what we know because it doesn't move in tandem. As a matter of fact, I think it was a, it was a surprise to me. I remember when I was studying all of the academic research on investing, it was a surprise to me that value companies – tended to do better during bear markets. That was yeah. kind of a surprise because you would think that'd be the direct opposite, that crummy companies would be even more hurt under bear markets, and it wasn't the case. It was, And a lot of that has to do with, if you think about it, if you look at really great companies, well-known companies like you know Apple, Amazon, and and you know Microsoft, and and Walmart, and and you know just fill in the blank on any company that you know that's good. Well, they've got a lot further to fall. So if the market gets crummy, they've got further to fall. Right. So, so that makes sense from that perspective. Yeah, and and I think uh, I was listening to the uh, Fama video that we have that we use during American Dream Experiences. Yeah. Nobel Prize winning uh, economist. Hearing that again, and he was talking about you know value companies in that conversation, and that uh, you know to use the term a crummy company tends to stay a crummy company for a little while, and so. I think, you know, they they do fix it, but you don't see a lot of the same volatility in value stocks that you do in growth stocks, which I think is to your point, you know, if you have this bear market, mm-hmm. they react quickly, mm-hmm. whereas a value company, they're already working on, they know some problems, they're already working on getting it fixed, and that's already priced in mm-hmm. to the stock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, value companies, it is interesting that they don't necessarily... Uh, a lot of times, some some companies do become growth. I mean, you, you know, surely, yeah. you know, the idea, the, the Chrysler idea, that some of them actually do come out of that. But you know, then they go back to value, right? <laughs> That's why they become case studies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it is interesting that they do. A lot of them don't. They they do nec- don't necessarily improve or become better or become really growth oriented companies. You know, a lot of the growth companies are those companies that maybe flash in the pan mm-hmm. to some extent. And then what happens is they don't uh, last necessarily. And sometimes mm-hmm. what we call value companies is we'll use the word stodgy. Oh, uh-huh. You know, because of the fact that they're older line mm-hmm. companies, Clorox, maybe they're, yeah, you know, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Companies that you go, oh, wake me up when it's over, right? <laughs> But, but people still buy that stuff. You know, they, they just do. Yeah, yeah, you know, for for sure. So that, um, but you know, the, the, speaking of interesting industries right now, have you noticed that the the way that there was really a lot of talk about how cars are being purchased? Yeah, I saw. Did that you notice you that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was so good because it was talking about the, you know the factory shutdowns that we've had. You know, you had the 
the parts shortages and the near empty dealership lots. And, and it was fascinating. They had the Wall Street Journal had a picture of a car lot. Yeah. And, and I had to go back, go back and go, well, you know, you're right. I totally forgot that car lots used to be jam packed with vehicles and you could walk through the lots and pick amongst you know, hundreds of hundreds of different vehicles, different yep. colors and all of that. And they're just not there anymore. They don't do that anymore. And the whole industry has significantly changed, which makes sense because, you know, you think about it, you have that much inventory that costs a ton of money to have that much inventory. But it is just interesting how the normal has become so different. You know, this, they talked about slim pickings. Yeah. And. As I was reading through that, I was thinking, um, you know, our our daughter had hit her second deer <laughs> a few oh months goodness. ago. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and she was, you know, she's fine, a little shaken up. And of mm-hmm. course, her friends now have a great nickname <laughs> for her. Deer is very you know. shaken up. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody in Murray County has a set of antlers that they didn't get on their own. <laughs> Put it on your car, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but, it's like but, the horns on the, on the yeah. front of the pickup truck. <laughs> But, you know, we had to go get her a car uh-huh. to replace that. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading through the article, I was thinking back to that story of, okay, if now most, you know, a lot of people are ordering online, mm-hmm. picking picking out the car and so forth. Well, if you need a car Monday mm-hmm. <laughs> to get to and from work or whatever, you just can't do that. Yeah. And, of course, Very that's, different. that's why they were talking about the, uh, you know, the prices in the used car market. There's not as as much wiggle room as there used to be because if you need one you're you're going to pay for it you're not going to just get some bargain on a thursday afternoon anymore well yeah they were saying mid 2021 nearly two-thirds of the new cars were selling at prices above the manufacturer suggested sticker (laughs) that is really different because they were there that's really different (laughs) than the way it used to be you know it used to be if you paid sticker that's just that's you know that's crazy yep you know, you, you were buying a car that was incredibly in demand. Uh, but, you know, and I've heard people talk about that. The selling price, average selling price of cars way, way up there. But the average they said in this article is 47362 And it's fallen to about 46000 But that's still... What's uh, that, 2%? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. And that is why a lot of people are struggling, you know, and then electric vehicles, you, you buy them, then the, right. then the price drops like crazy after you buy them is what they're saying. So hybrid is what some people are talking about. But, you know, I, I wonder, Evan, is that technology going to be the technology that lasts? So I think a lot of people are sitting there going, yeah, I don't want to get stranded. I don't want to have this situation where I got to right. have a battery. I don't, you know, so people are really struggling as to what to do with that. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, societally. <laughs> Depending on where you are on this entire spectrum of your own forecast about the future, not even from the market standpoint, mm-hmm. just kind of the future in general. We have, you know, I have some Facebook ads that come through my feed for water collection systems for mm-hmm. when we have, you know, no power and nuclear war or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then next to that is an ad for order your electric vehicle and thinking those are two completely different worldviews of who those, you know, who who was looking for these vehicles. And uh, it was interesting. Ford, I think, just this week had had came out, or some of the news came out, that they're looking more to focus on hybrids, mm-hmm. not pure That's right. EVs. And so, you know, they're not stupid. They're looking at some kind of data of either 
human behavior that they're afraid to get stranded or right, the, right. Econ- economics just aren't there. Well, we used to tell people, I really try to stray away from the leases, you know, just simply yeah. because you're financing depreciation. Yep. And what they're finding is that the lease are just they're not happening anymore. They don't have much of that. And part of what is causing the problems in the used car market was that was a huge source of right. used cars is cars coming off of lease yeah. where people didn't go and buy it. But that was a lot of people didn't understand that they were just financing depreciation, which is kind of a weird concept. You know, a car is, let's say, a $50,000 car when you buy it, let's say. And then it's going to be $25,000 when you turn it in or when you're supposed to turn it in. Well, Mm -hmm. you take that $25,000, that drop in value of twenty five grand in my example, and that's what you're financing. Yeah. And it was yeah. a, you could hide a lot of the expense in there. So for many in many cases it didn't make a whole lot of sense, you know, to really do leases of the uh, of right. the car. And now we're not seeing as much of that anymore. And you know, you've got to wonder uh you know, they were talking about the expensive, you know, how, how expensive used cars were. And people are in it for a real surprise when it comes down to it. They're not necessarily finding that there's a whole lot out there, and that's driving up those expenses. And they're sitting there going, well, do I buy a new car? Do I buy a used car? Do I start to walk? (laughs) Right. (laughs) It might be one of those deals. The the e-bike is cheaper than a new uh, used car. Hey, (laughs) I like my (laughs) e-bike. Oh, no. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Not today, I don't. (laughs) But but anyway, so, um, yeah, so let's let's do this. Let's, uh, you know, and there are a lot of interesting things to talk about. Uh, China's economy, I thought this was interesting. Yeah. A lot of younger people are unemployed in China, and they're becoming very disillusioned. That was one story that came out of China. Uh Uh-huh. There is... A lot of there's one in five young people in China are jobless, which is so interesting because the other part of what we're hearing in the news, because we and remember, Evan, remember back when I guess when we first started really both in the business, Mm -hmm. Japan was going to take over the world. Yes. And it was just curtains for the United States and just count the days. Because it's going to be over. The the tigers were taking over. Now nobody talks about it. The population's aging. And now we're talking about China. Mm -hmm. And then you see stuff like this saying, well, one in five young people in China are jobless. And the government casts much of the blame on the job seekers themselves that their expectations have gotten too high. In other words, they want to get paid. (laughs) I think that's what that means. Go figure. How but, un-American of them. But the other thing that was interesting that coincides with this to some extent is that China has been lending a tremendous amount of money to countries yeah. that have been defaulting on their debts. Mm-hmm. And that's causing great financial strain for the country as well. Now, whether that what that's going to lead to, who knows? But I think it suffices to say that so often we find ourselves getting scared and the information that we're getting scared about often is because we're not hearing the whole story. We often hear only the negative from the media, and then what happens is the media doesn't necessarily know everything that's going on. And that was the same thing with Japan. It was the same with Russia in the 1970s. Uh, Russia was going to be the new world leader, 
and their productivity was higher than other countries around the world. And then what we ended up finding out is, yes, they did have high productivity, but what they were producing was absolute garbage. Nobody wanted it. It didn't last for very long. Right. You know, so, uh, you know, so often what happens is we typically, if we don't get ourselves caught up in worrying about the future and the anxiety that comes and stay in our daytight compartments living for today and just kind of concentrating what we can do today, we end up being a whole lot better off. All right, Evan. Yes. What were you saying? I'm, I'm pulling it up fast. <laughs> you know, he's pulling up as he's like, keep, keep talking, Paul. Keep talking. I don't have it yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, you were talking about something about a newsletter, and I was, I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, in the last hour on the show today, I'm going to be talking about an invitation for this non-steak eating guy to a steak dinner. <laughs> Wait till you hear the research that I did. Regarding the stuff that they were talking about in this new in this thing, this ad going, hey, come out, you know, don't mail me note to anybody in the financial world. Don't mail me anything when it comes to like dinner invitations, because, you know, I'm going to talk right. about it on the radio. <laughs> exactly. And I found some really, really good stuff. So I'll, I'll get into that. But anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, um, when you were mentioning China in those in that last uh, segment mm-hmm. and it's it's just an easy uh you know whipping post to get people anxious about the future mm-hmm. particularly around investing and you know one of the intentions that we have for our, the American dream experience is to transform the investing experience for the investor leaving them with the feeling of freedom fulfillment and love mm-hmm. and we got to thinking about that there was we had a conversation last week and which is a couple-day workshop well, that we do, yeah, yeah. just so you know what he's talking about there. It's on our website. And, uh, and we're thinking, well, what are we actually, you know, we're transforming it, but so what is the normal investing experience? If we're transforming it, what is it being transformed from, right? Yeah, yeah that's a really good question. And so, you know, I got this newsletter uh, or an ad for a newsletter. It wasn't an uh, invitation to a workshop, but here's the headline. China is crystal clear. They will use this technology for surveillance, for cyber attacks, to harm us and our allies. Your phone, your bank account, and your stock portfolio could already be infected with China's spy chips. Here's how to protect your money and your investments and even grow your wealth in the months ahead. Yeah, I'm not going to do anything. This is scaring me. And then it it goes on for like eight pages to convince you to sign up for this newsletter. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's... That's the normal investing experience. People are out there looking and, oh, should I, oh, let me read this. Let me get out of that investment to protect myself against China taking over the chips. Or, Mm -hmm. well, I think that's garbage. I'm going to get a different newsletter. Which stock should I pick? It's just a constant turmoil. And there is no, you're not settled about anything related to your financial future. And that's what we're... Mm -hmm transforming it's not even so much saying oh we're going to take you from x level of return and go to x plus y it's you'll understand you don't have to keep going through these ads right right right. and and you really do get relaxed about money which is what we say but yeah but that's what we're transforming is their experience is confusion fear Mm -hmm. frustration you know, sleepless nights, all that stuff, 
That's what we're out to transform for people. You know, you, you talk about that, that relax about money, where that came from. I was sitting there talking to a guy one day and he said, so what is it you guys are about? And I says, well, I want people to feel about their finances and their financial future and money kind of the way my dad and my mom felt. And he said, what was that? I said, they didn't worry about it. Now, partly, the, quite, quite frankly, the reason was that <laughs> my dad was on a pension. Yeah. You know, so somebody else was worrying about it. You know, but the reality of it was now we are our own pension managers, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the pension has kind of gone the way of the dinosaur. And because now people have to manage their own money in order to get an income. And I'm actually, in the last hour, I'm going to talk a lot about the worry about running out of money and things that, and you got to, this is one of those ones you really want to get, make sure you catch that the last hour of the show today. Because I'll talk about it. The government did something right when it comes to not having to worry about running out of money. That's the tease for that thing. So, (laughs) and they did something right. And I'm going to talk about that in the last hour. Uh, But, in essence, and it has, it has to do with how distributions take place in, in qualified plans, but in, in retirement plans. But, but basically what the thing that got me was that dad was not sitting there wringing his hands, worried about running out of money. And in effect, part of it was that who was managing the money were pension managers mm-hmm. who tended to be very well-informed and well-educated. Now, it wasn't that they knew everything that you needed to know about managing money. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't. You'll find that in the pension world, typically they'll have outside consultants. And in the best-run pensions, in, in my humble opinion, in the, in the country, you will find that that information comes from the academic world. And it's like when California Public Pension fired, yeah. fired all of their active managers a couple of years ago because the evidence was outlandishly strong that that was a waste of time. It was for me going, yes, 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 exactly. That is exactly what you guys should be doing. Well, what happens is this, and I did this in a workshop and actually Tuesday at noon, uh, and then there's then at seven o'clock in seven in the evening. There's I'm actually going to be replaying this workshop as well. There is a workshop on diversification. But what I did in that workshop is I went through the websites of the biggest investment firms. Oh yeah, Fidelity, Vanguard, Raymond James, Edward Jones, uh, uh, American Funds. And I, you know I went through uh, these and mm-hmm. I was showing how they're they're going. Hey, we actively manage. Now, some of them play both sides of the table. Right. They'll do active and they'll do, you know, non-stock picking, non-market timing. I'm a vegan that really likes cheeseburgers. and uh, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I'm a doc and I've got cigarettes out in the, in the <laughs> lobby, right? You know, and you go, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. How do you play both sides? Well, we want to be able to sell you both. Right. You know, because we know that at some point you're going to lose your discipline and you're going to want to go to this and then you're going to gain your discipline back, which is a non-discipline, really, because you're going back and forth. Right. And, and what I show in the workshop is that the average holding time for stocks is abysmally short. And this is a study from goes back and looks at 50 years 
And what we're finding is, and you may go, no, I hold stuff all the time. I don't have any problem hanging on to stuff. I don't make any. Oh, yeah. What is your advisor doing? What are the mutual fund companies doing that you're holding? You may be really shocked. So that's a workshop just to check out. But because my the reason my dad and my mom were so disciplined Mm -hmm. and so non-worried is because they knew the pension, the pension managers. Yeah. We're worrying, they're sweating over the details. Yep. And I think that was the deal. And they were content by nature, I think. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Which you inherited. Yeah, pretty easy going. <laughs> Fairly easy going. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.